0: Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman. The podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's Rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him, michael.chapman at ibf.com.au.
1: So today we're going to talk about who needs PGT. So first question I suppose is, what's PGT? Well, pre-implantation genetic testing. This is when we take an embryo and we extract somewhere between 6 and 10 cells from that embryo at day 5 of development and we send them off to the pathology laboratory that specializes in genetic testing and what they can do with those cells is look at the genetic makeup of the embryo well actually it's not the embryo it's those cells and those cells come from the outer surface of the embryo. They don't don't necessarily represent the chromosomal makeup of the actual baby. And that's one of the issues that people have with the current way we test with PGT. But we'll come to that later. So having tested the cells, what the scientists can do is tell us whether those cells have the right number of chromosomes. We should have 23 sets plus the XY or XX number of chromosomes. What can go wrong, and the classic example of that that gets through to delivery at times, is Down syndrome. So in Down syndrome, they have an extra pair of chromosome. So they end up with three chromosome 21s. If you've got three chromosomes, it's called a trisomy and that extra chromosome in a Downs baby results in all the problems that Downs babies have in terms of intellectual retardation, often heart defects. So having an extra chromosome produces an abnormality in the baby. Downs is one of the few aberrations that actually gets through to delivery. Occasionally there's an extra chromosome 13 15 and 18 that get through to delivery and those children will die very soon after because they have quite substantial congenital abnormalities like absent kidneys or absent stomach. So genetic testing can exclude those at the embryo stage. The other thing it can do is obviously the other 20 or so chromosomes, it can also check whether they're there in the right numbers or not. Although nature will actually cause them either not to implant, or if they implant, to miscarry. So in a sense, that doesn't change the outcome by doing genetic testing in those, with those particular chromosomes, because nature will do it for us. However, those embryos, if they have those abnormal chromosome numbers, will not produce a pregnancy that will result in a live birth. So for you, as a patient, testing the embryos and finding that there's an abnormality and the embryo won't be put back. And so you've saved yourself the heartache of waiting for a pregnancy test, which was inevitably going to be negative. Or if you do get pregnant, waiting for a miscarriage to happen. So there are significant advantages in doing the genetic testing. That sophistication of genetic testing has increased dramatically over the last decade. And we can now get down to the level of actually looking not only at the number of chromosomes but for for specific abnormalities within the chromosomes. And there are now in excess of a thousand genetic diseases which have been found to be due to changes in individual chromosome makeup that now can be diagnosed genetically at the time of the embryo formation. And for people with hereditary diseases, that's uh, been a huge step forward. It's a tiny group of the population, but a very great step forward. But going back to the general testing of embryos, and the question that I raised at the front end of this talk was who should think about it? Well, at one point in time, we thought everybody would, and this would be the way to select the best embryos. But unfortunately, even if you put back a tested genetically normal embryo, while the chance of success increases from something like 40% to 60%, there's still 40% that won't get pregnant with those embryos. And is the difference between 40 and 60% worth going through the expensive process of genetic testing? The other issues that have arisen over the last five years as genetic testing has become more common And in some clinics in the United States, 95% of patients are having their embryos tested. In Australia, it peaked last year at around 15%. And in Australia, we've been cautious for a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's relatively expensive. Most clinics are charging around $700 per embryo. That's because of the genetic testing side of it. But secondly, questions have been raised about the accuracy of the testing. Not so much the testing accuracy once it gets to the laboratory but what are we testing as i explained earlier we're taking cells from the outside of the embryo those that may form the placenta and they may not necessarily reflect the cell line that of the embryo now to date to my knowledge there have been no babies born where the pgt was said to be normal but the baby was abnormal It probably will happen, but it hasn't happened to my knowledge. But the reverse has occurred where embryos have been said to be abnormal, but because the patient had no other embryos to put back, they took the risk and had the embryo put back. And there are now 15 or 20 cases around the world reported where an abnormal embryo was put back and a normal baby was born. The other issue that has arisen, and it's the reason why Babies will be born that look as though they're abnormal based upon the, the placental cells. Is that there are very often two or three cell lines in the dividing process that are not the same as each other. So you can have a mixture of cell lines, and that's called a mosaic. And that's really the third diagnosis. So the first diagnosis that you get from the laboratory is normal, the second is abnormal. And the third is in between, called a mosaic. And with mosaic embryos, what these scientists are saying is that around 20% of the cells that they've tested are in one cell line and the remainder are normal. The question then arises, is the abnormal one, the one that the baby's going to be, or is it going to be the normal one? And we can't answer that question at this stage. However, again, faced with having no normal embryos to put back, we do put back mosaic embryos. And to date, there have been no reports of babies being born, and we're now in excess of 500 babies worldwide, probably even more now because we're not reporting, it's so common. But to date, no one has reported an abnormal baby being born at the end of a pregnancy after putting back a mosaic embryo. Now, that's probably because... If the cell line that was the baby was an abnormal number of chromosomes, nature deals with it. The miscarriage rate in those mosaics is similar to the nat background population. So nature's probably dealing with it. When you put back a normal embryo and you get a pregnancy, a normal in the sense of chromosome normality, when you do that, in fact, miscarriage rates are reduced. It doesn't stop them, but they're significantly reduced. So... There are questions about PGT. So therefore, coming back to the original question again, who should have it? I personally recommend it when somebody has repeated failure of implantation because it would be good to know it wasn't just because of the genetics. And the older you get, the more likely it is that you will have a genetically abnormal embryo. The harsh numbers are at 30, 40% 40% of your embryos will be abnormal, even though they look like beautiful blastocysts. At 35, it's 60% will be abnormal. By 40, 80% will be abnormal. And by 45, 98% of embryos created in 45 year old women will be genetically abnormal. So the older you are, the probably the better it is to have genetic testing done. Albeit, if you've only got one or two embryos, which is common in that age group, I would probably still put them back rather than spend the money on genetic testing. So, repeated failure is one indication. People with chromosome abnormalities themselves, which is uncommon but present, balanced translocations they're called, are great. They're, they're, PGT makes their chances of a pregnancy much better. In terms of other reasons, one can use an a economic argument to do it so if you have five embryos for instance five nice blastocysts and you put back one or two of them and you don't get pregnant it may be because they were abnormal if each cycle is costing you to put back something in the order of $2,000 out of pocket which is pretty standard in Australia perhaps spending $700 per embryo uh, pays for itself if a couple of the embryos were abnormal and you won't have to go through both the financial pain but also the emotional pain of putting embryo back after back after back and not having a chance of a pregnancy because they were abnormal. So that's the other area that I tend to recommend it to my patients. But I probably still do PGT on less than 15% of patients. It's wonderful technology. It will improve it's developing less invasive methods than, than taking cells out of the embryo. In some cases, must damage some embryos. We're testing the fluid inside the blastocyst, inside the, the fluid that collects in the middle of the blastocyst. And we're also testing the fluid culture of the culture medium in which the baby was um, being cultured. And the chromosomes there would seem to have a good relationship to the embryo. They have not been perfected yet, although some clinics claim that they're using them. But they're using them in conjunction with conventional testing. So, that's PGT. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu.